This episode is brought to you in part by Form Kitchens, Signature Doors and Windows, and Modern in Denver Magazine. Now, on to the show. You know, part of what makes me sleep at night is, what did I do today that was positively impactful for other people, and for myself, and for the company, and for my life? And if I can go to bed every night and go, okay. I nailed this one, I nailed this one, man, I really screwed that one up, but look what I learned from it, which is every day, um, and and just build upon yourself and build upon others every single day. Eventually, we'll just retire and move to Italy. Hi. Hello. 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 Hello, and welcome to Architecting. Hey, how's it going? Hey, pretty good. How are you? Thanks for getting out of bed to do this. <laughs> Guilty. I gave you a 10-minute warning before we had to do it. It was more like a 50-minute, 10-minute. <laughs> I said an hour minus 10 minutes. <laughs> Should have known. Another uh, Sunday night intro. Um, do you want to here, do your thing. Yeah, okay. Hi, welcome to Architecting. I'm Rebecca Wagner, here with the host, Adam. Hey, Adam, who's on the podcast today? Hey, Rebecca. Today, tonight, we have Jennifer Olson and Ryan Walter. She had from Forum by Architects and Interiors. Cool. And Planning. Nice. Yeah, these are, uh, this was a fun one. Um, God, I say that every time. You really do. I just, I love, I love my job. <laughs> Is this my job? I love my hobby. Uh, no, this was good. I had, hadn't met these two before. Um, we met in their Denver office, which they were just just moving into, and uh, the heat was off, and so it was pretty cold. Um, it felt like a nice mountain experience in a way, with puffy jackets on and blankets and. Nice. <laughs> you, you really you look, had blankets. You on? look interested. <laughs> You look very interesting. Uh, yeah, we did. They they provided blankets. Very uh, very nice. nice. Very nice of them. It's a nice touch. Uh, cozy cozy situation. Um, but yeah, uh, Forum Fi, a firm that I had heard of and seen a little bit, but didn't know much about. Uh, kind of an interesting history that that we'll get into. But uh, these two were not the founders of it. Um, I think employees number eleven and twelve or something like that. But but sort of brought in to take over the firm and lead it in a new direction. And um, interesting backgrounds where where Ryan is a, a sort of like very uh, uh, typical or uh, archetypical Aspen architect. A uh, uh, lot of great experience, worked for a lot of the Aspen firms. Um, and Jennifer coming in... Uh, n- without an architecture background and sort of landing in Aspen and then finding her way into working for a lot of firms. Um, and then kind of heading up the business, uh, the heading up the firm from a business perspective. So I think she's, am I hogging this? You want you to talk at yeah, all? You have all the information. <laughs> uh, yeah. So she's maybe one of the more business minded guests I've had on. And I think that's a, a good thing and, and something a lot of us architects are missing. And, um, so it's just interesting, interesting to see running a firm from her perspective, hmm. uh, talking about getting paid, what you should get paid. Hmm. Um, some things that are easy to talk about, but then when you have a client 
who has an amazing project who says, lower your fee. And I say, oh, yes, how, how low, how, how low? <laughs> Uh, if I don't get your project, I'll never eat again and, and, uh, I'll fail. And, but she had a good outside perspective of, of just talking about worth and value and, and how to, how to run a company. And then, um, just in general, they're really thinking about how to run their company in a way that's, um, profitable, but also uh, a good place to work and really value, um, creating a good workplace with, uh, lots of interesting kind of benefits and, and PTO policies. But um, I think for like the last six years or something, they've been in outside magazines, 50 best places to work mm. and something they're pretty proud about. So a lot of, a lot of good advice here. Uh, another good primer on how to run a firm. Cool. I'm excited. Yeah. Enjoy. But first, here's a few messages from our sponsors. Hey, so today we have Michael Quinn from Form Kitchens on. Um, look, you know, we, we all have kitchens. Most all of us want better kitchens. Michael, why, why should we get Form Kitchens? I think what you said was sort of the epiphany for our CEO. We all want better kitchens, right? And he grew up doing it as a family business. And then as an adult, he saw the beautiful, stunning kitchens we all see on Pinterest and Instagram. And basically tried to put one together himself and just couldn't find that aesthetic at a great price point and wondered why the process was so inefficient and so manual. He thought, well, if I'm seeing these online, why can't I just order them online? And so that's really the idea behind Form Kitchens is not only to design and deliver beautiful, stunning, modern kitchens, but to wrap the whole design process in a really modern context. So we design all online, We've built our own software that powers the experience, and it's all really about streamlining and simplifying high-end design, and then through a direct-to-consumer model, really just making it more affordable and more accessible. Yeah. The great thing is that Michael uh, is here in Denver, so you can reach out to him as well. Uh, and if you're looking for more information, we have a special link for the podcast. You can go to social.formkitchens.com backslash architecting. Thanks for the partnership, Michael. Thanks, Adam. It, really cool what you've created over architecting. We're excited to start to be a part of the community. And, and like you said, never hesitate to reach out. Uh, I love grabbing coffee. And you can shoot me a note at michael at formkitchens.com. Perfect. Thanks. And now, back to the show. We are here in Denver, Colorado, where it is 13 degrees or something outside. And for some reason, our heat is off. So, um, yes, yeah. we cannot get a tack in here until Tuesday. So we are uh, so smuggled, smuggled up in, up in blankets here. Target blankets while we yeah. do our work. I thought you, you mountain people were a little tougher. We're a little right? used to the cold, but... Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I literally leave after this to go to the beach. So oh, nice. I, in my mind, I'm already on the beach in the sun and the heat, but my body is not there. Nice. Yeah, my, my business partner, he's in Connecticut, but this week he's been in Florida the whole time. So I've just been like shooting him shots of the snow and uh, yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's quite the blast of cold for, you know, the middle of November. I know, it really it's nine came degrees out of the other night. Yeah. At least uh, up there. Yeah. We only like this when we're skiing. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. it's not that fun. Yeah. How how often do you, what's, what's your time split between Denver and Aspen? Like you two. We both live in Aspen. I'm right now. I'm here about fifty-fifty. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. But I'll probably be 
quarter so, of the time? Yeah, here at the Denver office, this has only been fully up and running now for about two months. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. So this is kind of our newest endeavor, if you will. Hence why we're in this very open room with only two chairs and all of our artwork on the floor. I thought this was just preparing for the podcast studio. The, oh, that's right. right. Yeah. yeah, that's correct. That's yeah. Nice acoustic, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, treatments. Yeah. Uh, so how many people are here in Denver full-time then? Or is there? Uh, right now we're five. Four. Four. Five. Well, we just hired the fifth. Fifth. Yeah, five. Um, and we have a couple people from Aspen who are considering moving in this direction, which mm. was kind of a big factor in opening an office in Denver to begin with. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's been challenging, especially after COVID, I think, to get employees to come up into the, to the mountains. And it seems that everything's exhausted up there. So we've um, we reached out to everybody we knew who we thought would be worth uh, pursuing. And, and when that didn't work out so well, Denver seemed to be the next <laughs> best place to start looking. <laughs> well, and it's also super costly to live in that area. And we're very people-focused, employee-focused, so we're concerned when people's leases come up that they're going to get a $1,000, $2,000 increase in their rent, and there's just so little to rent up there. And we also, you know, we hire um, a lot of youthful staff to bring kind of energy to the firm, and so you might think you want to be in Aspen, but it is a small town, and I think a lot of people are a little bit more interested in the the energy of the city so yeah we have I mean, a aspen has there's some big city feel to it cosmopolitan type of things right. entertainment and that kind of the stuff culture but, and, but um so we have the office in aspen we have an office in carbondale uh, and then now down here carbondale honestly is where the bulk of the employees live and, and so they're by work i think slowly over the years fewer and fewer of us actually live in aspen and Everybody's kind of migrated down to Carbondale, and now it seems like you might migrate even further down the hill here. I, I like that idea of moving to Denver for the lower cost of living. <laughs> you know, it's like there's about four places in the country that you can do that. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's hilarious to everyone who already lives here, but yeah. when our team looks at how much it costs to get a, a condo walking distance from the office, it's affordable compared to where right. we live. Right, yeah, yeah. Well, even even office space, so we're leasing the space, but this is like a third of the cost. Third of the cost mm. for twice the space of yeah. our Aspen office. What's so? How many how many employees do you have total? Thirty-six. Thirty-six. And so, like, how many are in Carbondale versus Aspen? We kind of float around. Yeah. I mean, we're we're in an interesting situation. I mean, we were this way pre-COVID. Very fortunate that all of our we work on on. Max and we all have laptops and so all of our team can literally unplug and replug anywhere else and they're up and running so you know if they're site visits or client meetings sometimes people will be up in Aspen the majority of people probably have their main desk and house themselves in Carbondale right now but th this gives opportunity for a lot of flexibility and location space there's there's five of us who go to work in Aspen Consistent, consistently the majority of the week. So that leaves twenty five ish in twenty six yeah, in so Carbondale. Yeah, so five in Aspen, five down here, and the rest in, in Carbondale. I, I did a quick like cruise of of the employees on the website. It seems like it's pretty pretty broad base of like where people are coming from and schools they went to and things. I mean, it, it's is it a, normally a sort of 
a, a sort of person that, that comes to Aspen, you know, that's like you're, you're looking for that experience or are they just looking for so. you or? I mean, I, I think historically most people were looking for like, want to go be a ski bum or something like that or right. to go in a very outdoor oriented personality. We've had a, a couple who, who've come to us. There's one guy in particular who hates the snow. And we're like, <laughs> you, you might have picked the wrong place. But he's really, I mean. He wants to move to Denver. He, he's one of the ones who wants to move to Denver. But he's turned out to be exceptional, too. I think it matches. I mean, architecture and the mountains, it's, it's passionate people. People right. who are passionate about the outdoors, passionate yeah. about beauty, passionate about their surroundings. It's, it's kind of a, a, a lead-in to everything we do. So I feel that it's pretty consistent who comes our way mm -hmm. um, and pretty consistent who stays. Mm. You know, we can, mm -hmm. we always interview for the 51%. Like, are you the right fit for the company? Do you, you know, one of our big questions, we're very much a culture-based firm. So what do you do in your spare time? Mm. Yeah. And if, if you're, you know, I like to read and paint and, and uh, I, I don't, I think it's just the the personality fit. Like, are you are you going to be as passionate as it requires to to pay what it costs to live in the place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a different consideration, huh? Huh. Well, that that takes us nicely to this question of who are you. So how? Uh... I already introduced myself. Huh? <laughs> it's Jennifer. Okay, Jennifer's Jennifer got hers done, <laughs> and now Ryan has to go. How how would you say who if you someone if I just asked you that who are you, you going to answer that as a as a pair as a team or individually? What do you think? I think both. I think we're we're individuals, but then I think as a firm we're we're very much a we. I would say if you ask me who I am, I'm I'm a problem solver, from morning till morning <laughs> again. Um, it's all day long what what's coming your way and, and how do you get the best result that that gives the the most optimum outcome for the most people and you know we're we're people as a firm we're people people we uh care a lot about our team and our clients and our reputation and our integrity and we care about the we so i'd say I live for this business. I'm kind of a dork that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm an architect groupie, so not an architect myself. So I uh, have followed many people around for many years, wanting to be a part of the beauty that everybody creates and work in cool places like this, literally and figuratively, um, as I shiver. Um, yeah. Nice. I think that's who I am. Who are you? Who are you? Who am I? Who are you, <laughs> Who are you Ryan? Um, well, I am an architect. I'm like Jen here. Um, but, you know, I think there were a lot more than... I think this consumes us a lot right now, running a business. But yeah, there's, you know, I'm married. I have a son. There's other interests that, you know... I think that as you get to saying this, to come to Aspen and to work for an architecture firm, it's not always just about the architecture. It's also about all the other um, but yeah, I mean, I came to Aspen, um, initially in college, I went to school in Texas and realized, um, what school? 
went to Texas Tech. Okay. So in Lubbock, Texas, where there's nothing else to do but go to college. And but do architecture. Think, of, think about architecture. Think about architecture <laughs> elsewhere. Um, I grew up in New Mexico, and I grew up on a farm, and I grew up in the heat, and huh. I hated the heat. And so I always wanted to go to the mountains. And so when I was in college, I looked. Um, um, my last summer before graduating, I had, um, they, there was a job board um, and a posting for Charles Cunniff. He had advertised for um, one of the guys who ran his bail office at the time was a Texas Tech graduate. Hmm. And so I thought, well, I'll go try that out. So I spent a summer in that Aspen. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I went back for a winter. And then um, after graduation, everybody was moving to Austin, Texas. And I thought, well, I'll go do that for a while. And I spent five years in Texas, where it was also pretty hot. Until I couldn't handle that anymore, and so I, I, I called Charles again and went back, and now I've been there for quite some time. But. What what kind of work were you doing in tech in in Austin? Where were you at? Um, in Austin, I worked for Cornerstone. Um, they did it's mostly residential at the time. They started doing uh, they developed their own office building. They started doing some of their office buildings, and they started doing multifamily residential work mm. in addition to the single family. It was always, yeah, residential architecture has always kind of been the, been the major. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's how I got there. But before we go on, so that was kind of a big jump between I grew up in the heat and then I went to architecture school. Like what, <laughs> what, 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 what got you there? What, what, why was it architecture? Out of the heat and into the fire. Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up on a farm and my dad had taken like a building trades class in high school. And so every winter he, uh, he built every house I ever lived in. And we'd move like every three years. So he'd build a house, we'd live oh, in it. And huh. He'd build another house, we'd live in it. And, um, and in doing that, I just, I, I, I can remember really, really young, like he'd bring these plan books home. You know, you used to be able to like, um, order a set of plans out of a book and then, you know, he'd basically build that. And to flip through house plans, I thought was fascinating. Were you redlining? No, <laughs> not at that age. Did the houses get better and better, or did he try different things out? Or, um, I guess they got maybe bigger and bigger. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, so it was just a pretty obvious thing for you. Like, okay, yeah, I, I'm interested in this and uh, architecture, and then. Um. Well, I either wanted to be a pilot or I wanted to be an architect. Yeah. And Both. <laughs> Yeah, ultimately I got both, but I, I had, I had looked at like the Air Force Academy and I had a, a buddy of mine who I played soccer with at the time who was looking at apply to the Air Force Academy. His grades were a hell of a lot better than mine were, <laughs> and he didn't get in. He ended up going to, uh, there's a prep school, I guess, there too. And so when, when he didn't get in and he was a little bit ahead of me in the application, I thought, well, maybe that's probably not going to work out in my favor as well. Architecture was your safe bet. Yeah, architecture was <laughs> my safe bet. <laughs> I do want to back up because he called out his wife and his son, so I feel the need to do that. <laughs> Sorry, sweetie. Um, I also have a, a husband and a son, so we'll do that. Nice. So, Jennifer, for you, how, tell me your path of, of not being an architect, architect fan, uh, designer, problem solver. I, uh, so I went to school at Auburn and also grew up on a family farm. Put myself through school in, in Alabama, Alabama or, or? Uh, in New York. Ah. 
um, put myself through school and then moved out to Colorado to get in-state residency to go to law school. Hmm. Turns out moving to Aspen when you're 21 is not great at facilitating future school plans. Um, really learned to like snowboarding and skiing and rock climbing and all the things that Aspen had to offer. And Yeah, I'll get back into that dark library. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> be right there. <laughs> so I call that my first life. Um, and, you know, kind of understood that maybe working for a while and paying off my school loans was a wise move before I started law school. Uh, worked in, you know, different industries where I always got tossed into accounting, tossed into management, tossed into operations until I worked with CCY Architects was my first architecture job in Aspen. And I applied for an assistant uh, business and finance manager position. And when I went to interview, realized that one of the partners who had just made partner, Rich Carr, uh, his wife was the director of business and finance. And they would, would not allow a partner to be married to somebody in the finance position. Mm. And so I was like, opportunity. And I walked into the office and it was beautiful. And I like being surrounded by pretty things, hence moving to Aspen. So I had taken another job and I called them the night before I took the job and said, you need to send me an offer now. And they did. So I came and took a 50% cut in pay to go work there and was the director of business and finance within a year. And John Cottle was a, a I listened to the podcast um, yeah. parts to them. I, John Cottle was, has probably been my only mentor in my life and hmm. worked there for seven and a half, eight years, wow. um, moved to Denver for a year, Boulder, worked at Anderson Mason Dale here and hmm. did consulting for a few other firms. Then moved back, worked for POS Architecture for four years, Rowan and Broughton for four years. Um, so I did my stint and my, I do not like to be bored. So growing firms is kind of my shtick. <laughs> and I was number 11 at Rowan and Broughton, nice. number 11 at Forum 5. And uh, we were brought on basically. What's the next firm? Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> we don't, we don't, he's right here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, I meant what's the next firm you're going to be 11 at? <laughs> we'll talk about yeah, that when we're off air. That's the uh, uh, extended version. We'll see. I mean, if this gets stagnant, I might have to again. I'm only in my 50s. You're doing so well, well. sure yeah. as hell isn't stagnant. So. Know, we're not. <laughs> Sorry. I'm sure the other places weren't either. but yeah. No, they were not. Um, so, yeah, I, I um, we came on to Forum Fi in order to... I had said after my previous firm, that's it. I'm not working with architects anymore. These people are nuts. Um, it's too, it's too hard. Like they're, you, you run the span of like these super creative types to the super kind of engineering manager types, which I actually do love. I complain in jest for sure. So, um, was approached about joining Forum Phi as a partner and they wanted to grow number 11. And, uh, I said, yeah, let's do this. So that's how I ended up here. So what was, let's step back a little bit more. What what was your degree at Auburn? Pre-law. Pre-law. Psychology focus, which, well, and biology, which really doesn't apply. Mm. Random. Psychology um, I'm just a science dork. So, um, yeah, psychology, because you had to pick something that was like a liberal arts major, and that tied closely into like biology and neurology. 
interests. Huh. Uh, but a lot of contract law, you know. Marital therapy definitely applies to <laughs> to what we do. To what yes. we do. Yeah. Actually, psychology yeah. applies quite a bit to what we do. And so I think I've always kind of had that operations mind. Yeah. I, I like, I'm very much out in the future. We discuss this a lot. Like Ryan is, is deep in the now and, and figuring out what to do right now. And I'm way out here in the future going, okay, what, what are we doing now? And how's mm. that going to impact later? Mm. Um, but I, I love the way the puzzle pieces come together in business. And so I, Regardless of whether I wanted to do that or not, I've always been kind of tossed into that situation. You know, I started a place as an accounts payable person and be thrown into a general manager before you know it. And uh, yeah, I, I I could not have chosen this in my college years, but I think it is actually the perfect fit. Yeah, were did you, were you around the architecture school? I mean, that's such a kind of different and influential school i dated an architect did, in college yeah. and i actually <laughs> broke up with him yeah. because he kept saying he was in studio <laughs> yeah. quotes for the people who can't see um he was in studio all the time and i was like who is this girl studio? <laughs> yeah, who's, who's, yeah. Um, i broke up with him and then once we started working with architects i was like oh wait you really were in studio so <laughs> shannon if you're listening to this i apologize <laughs> um but yeah i was around architects and i'm you know like I said, drawn to beautiful things. And if you're going to do what I do, do it in a place like this with people like this. Yeah. Better than working in retail. So that's, yeah, so that's super interesting. So employee 11 and 12. So what's the, what's the history of Formify? Uh, Formify started back in 2006. <clears throat> we had a friend, um, Steve, who he founded this with uh, Chris May. They were friends growing up um over the years um unfortunately chris um, was diagnosed with cancer right before we got brought on mm-hmm. and he passed away a couple years ago and so um when he had gotten sick um, steve reached out to the two of us he, we, he basically said you know i want to grow the firm these are the things i'm not great at not great at man- projects and, and understanding what needs to be done on that side and not great at the business side of business, but I want to grow the firm. And so we actually worked together for a stint. We were a pause together. We were a pause together, a short stint. And so we knew each other, but knew him independently and reached out to both of us to join the team. That was almost eight years ago. And um, since then we have parted ways the other co-founding partner uh, basically you know the trajectory i think that we laid out for the firm as a group i think once we got there maybe wasn't the best fit for all of us and so we parted ways he's got a, a smaller firm which i think is fitting and he's happy and moving forward and we kept running with the group and transitioning to a design firm and kind of being a little more dynamic and growing which is yeah. A different path. So, Ryan, you, where, where all did you work in Aspen? You worked? So, I went back. Um, when I moved up there, I worked for kind of for a few years. And um, the guys from Austin Cornerstone um, had reached. I went skiing with the two partners one year. They came up to Beaver Creek. And um, they're like, you know, this is, we'd like to expand. 
and and they approached me and another guy who was living in Aspen who used to work with them as well. And so we attempted to open an office for them in Aspen right in 2007. Love it. And right into the recession, it was like uh, the epitome of the worst timing ever. So when that when the recession hit, and literally in a, in a week, we got a, a, like a dozen phone calls from clients going, we're going to put things on hold. Uh, don't see this moving forward, you know, different things. So um, started scrambling for things to do and ended up going to work for POS. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was with POS in like 2008 to 12. And then I went back to Charles. I worked for Charles for another few years. And um, I just kind of found myself in this place that was like I really, I really love doing what we do, but it was just kind of um, routine, mm. and was looking for something a little more exciting. And this came along, and this was definitely you know, got exciting. It. <laughs> I mean, I think you guys are interesting, and in like Aspen's interesting in general, where there's a there's kind of a core of firms, and it seems like people kind of cycle around or bounce around, or or there's sort of camps in some way. But like set set the uh, the context of Aspen a little bit and Aspen firms like you, you've worked at a lot of them kind of like what's I mean I think those are kind of the main ones pretty much the main ones you know, CCY POS Rolling Brown kind of kind of us. yeah yeah as of sizable firms let's right. say yeah there are others and that, yeah. and what what's the sort of like uh, either like community like or like amongst you guys or sort of like what are different people known for? What do they do? Or, you know, like, is there a kind of feeling and we can take a, a nice biased view from you guys uh, nice being on one? Yeah. I think we're all cordial and gracious with each other. Um, I wish there was more of a community of sharing coming from behind the scenes. You know, it's, it's a very different view of how a company is run, how a business is run. And being a business person myself, it's it's interesting to, there's a juxtaposition between what your employees know and what the communities know and what's really happening behind closed doors. Right. Um, I, I think one thing that sets Forum Fi apart is that we are a great business. I mean, and I've, I've been behind the scenes of all the businesses and I, I think that we, we focus so much on process and you know the things that are kind of rote you know when you're developing a document set if you nail down that process you get so much more time that you can Mm. spend on schematic and design and the things that people love to do and what makes them important and let's not have to think about that we're going to take care of that it's going to be you know solid and safe in itself (laughs) i think that there um there are some firms that are very client focused there are some firms firms that are very design focused. There are some firms that are very people focused. None of those are wrong. And I I think that as a community, as an architectural community, we understand that, you know, the joke of it's not your architect, it's just your turn. Um, (laughs) Not every place is the right fit for everybody. And so I think that I actually feel really good when somebody who's not a great fit for us finds a different fit and goes there. Right, yeah. 
because you get this one chance in life and we're, we are people first. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I wish there was a more of a community sharing and mm-hmm. more of a, I, I feel like architects always feel like there's some super secret thing that they do that if they told somebody, you know, would give them a competitive edge coming from behind the scenes. That is never the case. Yeah. Because we're always trying to figure it out ourselves. I know. Like, like we're the first person to try to do this process, and yeah, or yeah. Yeah. But I have reached out to many local firms and said, "Hey, let's get together and talk about this. Like, how do you use the software system? What are you guys doing for this?" And I think everybody holds it so tight; it's hard to open those doors. Yeah. And we definitely all know each other, and we interact quite a bit. Um, and yeah, it, it is kind of you can't walk down the street without bumping into another architect or realtor or contractor. But um, having worked at a couple places, I respect very much everybody else who's working in town. And it takes a lot of skill to be able to, I think, to be able to do this. I think the things you're talking about a moment ago, you know, there's certain ones that focus on people. There's certain ones that focus on design. And I'd like to think that what we're trying to do is kind of take all the pieces from the places we have worked. And, and pull together the best parts of our work, or at least the way that we perceive the best parts of our work. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, they, I mean, it, <clears throat> Aspen is this small town, and there's 7,000 you know, full-time residents, so you, you definitely know each other. Um, I don't know, it's kind of a joke, it's an incestuous community that kind of floats yeah. around between but I think you find the right fit, and then you know, then that's kind of where you, you end up. So, so that idea with the idea of the firm, what 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 does the name mean? So, forum, um, it's a team, it's a group. You know, there's not one person's name on the door. We're all doing this together, um, and phi being you know the golden ratio of proportion and, and the, the nod to design and good design. But I, I think we really focus on the forum part of it. And, and not having one person's name. Like everybody else that we mentioned is somebody's name. And this was an intentional effort to not put one person. Yeah. And so being a team environment, um, you know, in the long term, I don't think either of us, we hope this outlives us by a long term. And, and um, I think developing a group of people to complement what we do, because I think we each have our, our strengths, but we definitely also have our weaknesses. And so to find the right people to complement that. So was that something when you guys got brought in? Um, like, I'm, I'm really interested in this idea of like, of like crafting a firm and crafting culture and kind of when that comes about. Uh, when you guys came in as 11 and 12, was it like, let's rename the firm and like, it was already set that way. You, you shook your head no. So yeah. yeah, it was already named, but you know, it was kind of like a how do you say this? Uh, kind of, you know, it was a, a bit of a startup firm. It was a little bit of a ragtag group of. So we ju- I kind of joked. It was like the frat house down at the end of Main Street. It's what it felt like. It was a very young group of people, and they had found kind of momentum. And so, when we came in, it was it felt like harnessing that and providing process related to how we did things and a business mindset behind how to how to justify some of the, of the decisions that we were making. And start shifting from more of a, uh, it was a firm who provided a lot of value. They worked for uh, 
more developers, smaller remodel projects, things like that, and kind of, you know, it's it's really hard to recruit people when you don't have a name or a reputation or a portfolio to base it on. Right. So, and I think part of bringing Ryan and I on is we were connected in the community. We had, we had people that we could reach out to and say, no, seriously, come try this out. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and building more of a design-based, design-focused, um, yeah. less value-based firm and more yeah. value At the time, there firm. were a couple of larger projects that had started to come in, and it was going to take you know, more, a larger breadth of a team to be able to accomplish a few of those things. And um, <clears throat> just kind of getting pushed into the deep end, like, here are some substantial clients and here are some sizable projects. And, and at that point we had to figure out you know, how to, how to. With a less experienced them. staff, how to make this work. Yeah. Fake, fake it till you make it, but then you really have to make it. You actually yeah. have to make it's it. It's one thing to, yeah. to win the project. It's a whole other thing to complete it. And so <laughs> <Yeah>. at <clears throat> the time we, yeah, I, I actually before starting ended up on the phone with one of these clients and we completed this project. Um, I did go back and listen to some of your other ones. And so like Harry Teague had talked about the Hotel Lameda. Unfortunately, that was my first thing to do was tear down the Hotel Lameda. <laughs> and um, it's not well received. In the it was not well received necessarily by some of the individuals who've been there since the 80s. <laughs> but um, I had been on planning and zoning, understood how the process worked. And we worked with that client and, and worked to you know, complete his vision of how that was um, it was it was challenging. The community was very much against that, and, mm. and so to step in, I think that's been one of the. Um, it is definitely a client focused firm, and so in working in Aspen and understanding, um, you know, the value of the land that people are buying, and then understanding the rules behind what can be done, and and advising clients on you know this is maybe how to maximize your investment, but then not just maximize your investment, but do it well. Um, and there's, there's multiple steps to that. I mean, the first step in any project is understanding the site and understanding what you're capable of doing and what the restrictions are. And so I think we tried to, to set up this process where number one, understand the rules. We had been in other places where you could see where somebody could start something and then have to go back and go, Oh, well, now how do we make this fit? And so, Starting off, we've, that's honestly been one of the, the ways I think we've been very successful is helping the real estate community and, and forming really, really strong relationships with them. They're usually the first point of contact with the client when they're buying property. Mm. And so that's, that's led to a lot of introductions. And then through that, um, you know, acting as partners with them to, to, put options in front of clients and then be able to, to carry them forward and fulfill them. So, so that idea of, okay, yeah, again, you guys coming in and sort of maybe rethinking the firm or, or helping to plan the firm um, and saying, okay, we're, we're client focused, but we're employee focused. What, you know, I feel like, I feel like most firms try to say that, you know, at least, outwardly or you know they all do uh so what was it about you guys and the plan that is is different or that that from the beginning you you put in place that sets you apart from the other places you were in? 
<laughs> we walk the talk. We have incredible benefits. We are employee focused for sure. And we are client based. I mean, a lot of people want to bring the ego into it. Our job is to make our clients. It's their money. It's their dream. It's it's their lives and memories that are going to be produced from this, not ours. And so we consistently think, how are we spending our clients' money wisely? Are we giving them what they want? And honestly, the biggest kudos you can receive is that that client recommends you to their friends and says, oh my gosh, you have to use our people. Yeah. And so from an employee standpoint, I, I think that the, the culture was a bit raucous when we got there and continued to be so for a little while. And then we you know, kind of reined it into more professional service oriented fun. Um, and I mean, we offer full paid, low deductible medical, dental and vision for you and your entire family. Mm. Like we are family focused. We have flexible schedules, remote work options. We have. Well, and we had a lot of this before COVID. We had, um, we had almost one of, all of it. Yeah. COVID. One of the oldest employees that we have, she's living in um, New, New York, York currently. Now. And she had moved back to New York six years ago, seven years ago, eight, eight years ago. Mm -hmm. And so we had kind of worked on this remote work environment. Like how can you go somewhere and, and live somewhere else, but still be able to be kind of tied in with what we're doing here. And we, we tried this with a few other individuals too. We had one move to Denver, one move to Iowa, one move to Vegas. Mike here was in Denver for a year before yeah. we opened this office. So a little bit better. And so that flexibility, the, I think, learning how to, to do it remotely and um, well, learning how to do it remotely and have a lot of that set up really helped us as we, like we went home on one Friday and then Monday we all called into a, a staff go-to meeting and it was unplugged, walk home and start working. And so. kept trudging away. But, you know, I, I, I would go back to, I think your question about what, what makes this different, different on an employee basis without having the name on the door, that's one of our names, I think we can continue to focus on the team and, and making sure that we're cultivating um, mentorship and growth and, and training and, and we're investing a lot in the people who are on our team. And I think working in some of the other firms, I don't know that they get the buy-in behind that because at some point you're either gonna have to change the name of the firm or it's gonna dissolve and you're gonna have to it's going to splinter into a bunch of other ones. Right. I think also if you have a disconnect between what you say and what you do, you're never going to get the buy-in from the team. Mm -hmm. And so integrity, authenticity, being genuine, that's at the core of who we are. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I'm not going to tell you something and go do something different. I mean, unless something happens in the interim that, that sways that path. But I think we've dealt with this. I've dealt with this with other firms I've worked at where... You know, there's one thing that's said when the door is open and another thing entirely that's said when the door is closed. And we don't do that. Mm -hmm. What I mean, we might close the door to have deeper discussions about what was said, but it, it's very important for me to do what I say, for me to be accountable, for the team to be accountable, and to, and to also make it a place where it's okay to make a mistake. We all make mistakes. Yeah. In fact, what's not okay is to not make a mistake or not admit it or not learn from it. Yeah. But you're not going to get castigated here for messing something up. It's 
you know, we like to say it's the practice of architecture for a reason. We're all still practicing. Yeah. <laughs> like we're, we're trying to get it right and nobody here is perfect. And there's... Yeah, supporting everybody okay. so they feel that way. So I, I think we've, you know, our, our firm, whenever we hire anybody, we, um, we typically bring people in. We, we do a few weeks of training before anybody ever touches a project. Uh, we're on ArchiCAD. Most other firms mm -hmm. would probably work at any level. Mm -hmm. And not everybody's used to that. So we know right off the bat that we're going to need to spend some time just you know, investing in people. And so I think that's the initial example of us doing that. And then the other things, like you mentioned, the, the insurance for your entire family. But um, I think continuing to enforce that. Yeah. And a lot of those cultural awards are important to us. Outside Magazine's Best Place to Work, or, yeah. um, which we've hit that list six times, seven times, seven times. Um, and topped it four. Mm -hmm. The first time we went for it, we made first and we're like, oh crap, <laughs> we have no place to go but down. Do you, is there an Inside Magazine? Let's uh, give that a try. Uh, outer Side Magazine? Yeah. Anything else? I think um, that was, you know, and that was definitely a. Um, I think one of the things that we felt most, um, it's one thing to win a design award. That was really an award that we took a lot of pride in. Yeah. Well, and to, I mean, it's it's different too when it, it has to come from the top. So when there's eight inches of snow on the ground for a partner to say, hey guys, if you have any meetings, you can shift to the afternoon. Today might be a good day to do it and go out and hit the snow. I mean, and everyone talks work-life balance that that's a thing for them that's actually a thing for us yeah, our, we, i think our average hours are 40.29 or something you know there's mm, a couple nice, of yeah. overachievers in there that skew them <laughs> some guys driving it up yeah yeah that one guy some yeah. person working hard on the 20 hours and exactly. just to bring it back down for the firm yeah yeah that happens occasionally. Uh, so i mean it's it's not some it's not lip service it's not something we say yeah, we've had a couple individuals. Aspen gives out a pin if you ski a hundred days in a year, and we've had yeah, a handful. Three people last year got a hundred day pin. Wow! And wow! So, um, well, I say three. I know two. Two years. So it was COVID. So. Yeah, yeah. It's easier to go skiing. Yeah, quote unquote. I'm working. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, that's 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 awesome. That's awesome to hear, and it's like again. Every firm wants to do that, but I feel like the, the barriers to that are the business, right? And it's it comes down to the money and allowing you to be able to do all that. And it's like, um, yeah, it's like maybe what's what sets you apart in that sense. And, and maybe it's, it's you, Jennifer, of like having somebody so high up being so kind of operations focused. I don't know, but. I mean, it's one of the things we say all the time. Business and culture are not mutually exclusive. Right, yeah, yeah. And it, it's it's been our goal to prove that, and we have successfully, I believe. Yeah, um, I think that having a partnership and not having one's name on the door, I think we also have the ability to spread that love. And so it's not just you know, yeah. benefiting the one person who owns the company, mm -hmm. it's benefiting all of us as a group. Mm -hmm. um, we've been, yeah, I think, I think we've, really strive to make sure that it's, it's spread around, every, everybody's yeah. benefiting from it. And, and I think we are lucky. We do live in a location that, that allows that. Um, 
being here in Denver, there, you know, we're still in an outside focused environment, but you're not three blocks from the Dongle don't have the opportunity to do that as much. And even as we've shifted, more people are living in Carbondale, you know, some of the priorities have shifted. People like to be able to work closer to home and not be stuck in a car for 40 minutes to get from Carbondale to Aspen. Or be able to stay home conveniently when their families aren't at yeah. school or, yeah. or sick. Or... You know, run kids around. And it's also, you know, I think when we started, we might have been the only one with kids. <laughs> I think we that, were that the only ones with kids. Yeah, yeah. so kids, kids have changed the culture. Um, and, you know, there's maybe half and half now. Half are families and half are still you know, younger in their 20s. Well, and the, the business part does make a difference because, again, we're not, you know, one of the things that we do, it's interesting, we, we work with PSMJ a lot. And every time I do one of those, interact with those guys or we have a conference or a webinar or whatever i talk about the fact that we offer business development commission for our team and they say you can't do that and i'm like but we have successfully done this for a very long time because if you if you manage the business part of it well you know how much it costs to do your work you know how much to charge to do your work and you stick to your guns because i think architects forget the value and the impact that they provide. And nobody says, oh, you know, I'm not going to pay my attorney this month. Correct. We'll wait for six months to pay my attorney. <laughs> no, you're not going to. Oh, okay. I'll work for free. Uh, yeah. Please let me draw some more for you. Yeah, exactly. exactly. No, and she's, she's pretty good about heartbeat. Yeah. yeah. Like, no, guys, we can, we can be a little more. No, I mean, every architect in this farm, if you think about the hours, the hours of studying and the service that they provide people and the, the knowledge base that you have to have that's continuing to evolve, it is exceptional. And why do we allow ourselves to be treated less than exceptional? And so, you know, no, we are not going to issue that permit set until we get paid. You don't get to walk into Target and get your soap suds and walk out and say, you know, we'll pay you in six months. Yeah. When we've used all the suds and we decide that we have the money to pay you. So I, I think that Architects are undervalued as mm -hmm. is the profession and the, the service that they provide and the, the information, the knowledge base experience they provide. And I think if you hold your, you stick to your guns, actually clients respect that. Mm -hmm. If you go, yeah, we'll give you 20% off. They're like, oh, these guys are making a ton and they can afford to give me a discount. And, uh, you know, you love the, the old, oh, Give me a discount on this one, and I'll give you two more later at, for, at full price. <laughs> yeah, right. Why don't you just give us this one at full price? Yeah. And then if we do a great job, give us two more at full price. We are a professional service, mm -hmm. and we provide a value, and we deserve to be compensated for that value we provide. And it, every architect shrinks yeah. at that one. Everyone. It's, a, it's such an interesting thing, yeah. I feel like I use car salesmen a lot, you know, like, oh. Can you, can you give me this much to let me do your project? <laughs> oh, you can? Oh, great. Thanks. Yeah. I can almost eat for that. Yeah. It, it, you know, I, I think that's really, I mean, Jen is really good at, at, at the backside of everything and the operations and how we do all this. But I think to have that support and that, that business mindset coming out of architecture, you know, that's not something they hammered into us in school. Right. Was like, I think I took one professional practice course 
it tied mostly to what was going to be required on the test. And it wasn't about how to run a business and, and those types of things. And so once a lot of individuals get out and then get gain some experience and want to try it, I don't think they have a lot of the backend knowledge to support that, that same mindset and that confidence level. And it's been, honestly, it's gotten easier the more that we've done that to be able to really stick to your guns and feel, um, you know, the self-confidence to, to say that, you know, what we're doing is, is definitely worth it. And over time, I think the, the more that we've done, um, it, it does get easier over time. Um, and that, you know, it's, it's cultivating kind of the clientele that you want to work with. Mm -hmm. and like you said, we don't do, we haven't done a spec project in, I, I bet, a long time. for a very long time. And so not working with a developer, but working with an end user, I think is, is really where we've focused our energy. And the more you focus on client and service and, and continuing to produce quality design for a client, um, it, it, it comes down to, we're doing a lot of luxury service. And, and if we do it well, they want to come back to us. We've gotten quite a few referrals that way. And um, those are typically the best projects. Mm -hmm. Even if it's small, if it's a referral from somebody we did something well with and that went well, I think I'm more, you know, more inclined to take on the, the kitchen remodel, which typically explodes and turns into, into let's get the whole house. But I, I think that was probably the first question I asked. Who are your top five clients and why? Who are your bottom five clients and why? And to write that down and say, well, you know, these bottom five clients are more concerned about the bottom line and their their product is subpar because it's all about the bottom line and they don't pay us on time. They don't value the work we do. And why, why these top five clients? Um, great design aesthetic. They trust us. They value us. They pay us. They're responsive. They know what they want or trust us to help them find what they want. And I think the first thing we did is say, okay, let's fire the top, the bottom five, fire them. And we have a unilateral termination clause in our in our contract, seven days. If you don't like us for any reason, fire us. If we don't like you for any reason, we fire you. Mm -hmm. And it's because not everybody's the right fit. And right. we assist people with finding the right fit. And let's find the right designer for you. It's clearly not us. And then the top five clients, I want to, you to go to them and ask them, who are your friends? We have loved working with you. Mm. And we only want to work with people like you. I'm giving you pearls here. This is, <laughs> pearls. I'm recording all this. This, <laughs> this whole podcast is just for me to get better at my business. It's I don't care if anybody else listens. It's uh yeah. But who you know, we want to work with more people like you. First of all, it makes the client feel great and recognized and respected. And second of all, but you generally true. get an awesome <laughs> right. client out of it. And you know, over time, you 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 get rid of the the bottom feeders, and you add more to the top. And before you know it, everyone's at the top, which is great. Yeah. And I think our clients have shifted. Our project work has. Yeah, the project amazing. work has definitely shifted over time. Yeah. It's we um. Something yeah. to be proud of. Yeah. It, it you know I think when we came on, it was perceived that it was a bunch of condo remodeling as we've worked through, it's definitely shifted from, from that 
beginning work, you know, taking what you need to be able to pay and, um, and keep the doors open. But then it shifted more into remodels and, and with Aspen being kind of the community is, they're definitely leaning more towards saving what they have. Mm. And then over time, it's, there's been a lot more ground up work. Um, and, and that, while we love doing the ground up work, you know, I, I think we are splitting it right now between ground up and, and remodel work. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do a lot of historic renovations and we do, you know, we've, we, I have one going um, on Red Mountain right now. It started out as we just want to move the bar from there over to there. Can you give me a sketch? Mm-hmm. And it was a referral from somebody else. And so we said, well, of course, we'll do that. Mm-hmm. And now they've, you know, it's it's a full, um, it's a couple phases to this project, but a full gut of the house. And then the second phase will end up transitioning into the outside, the landscape and, and coordinating that work. But that, that couple is phenomenal. They are the nicest people. And I wanna do work with the nicest people. And so I think if, if we can provide the level of service that they expect, we continue to get those opportunities. And I want to work. I want to work with great people, both as clients and as the others in our firm. And so, I think that's that's been a, a huge piece. We've talked a lot about that in the last year. Um, good people, good people, good people. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hire good people. Work for good people. Try to be good people. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. 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 Well. <laughs> Try. We, all Try. To, Try. We, we all have to sleep at night. And so, well, some of us. Um, Not our complaint. Yeah. No time. I'm, I'm probably the most notorious of that. But, um, yeah. you know, part of what makes me sleep at night is what did I do today that was positively impactful for other people hmm. and for myself and for the company and for my life? And if I can go to bed every night and go, okay, like I, I yeah. nailed this one, I nailed this one, man, I really screwed that one up, but look what I learned from it. Which is every day, um, and and just build upon yourself and build upon others every single day. Eventually, we'll just retire and move to Italy. Right? <laughs> three more years, you'll be there. Three, yeah, just three. Just three. Yeah. That that is interesting. Like you know, you were talking about sort of jumping from firms and always like wanting to build and um, and this idea of sort of like specialization within architecture uh, versus kind of uh, a, a broad. You know, and you guys are saying, okay, well, what we're really after is this type of person, right? So, what? How do you see the? What's the future of the firm look like? You know, like is it a continuation of, of chasing those kind of people, no matter kind of location and typology, or are you, Colorado, or, what's? We're talking all about people, but let's be honest, it's a lot of the design. Uh, that's right. that's a fun part for sure. Well, I don't care I where. Honestly, the fun part, and, and I think what we have always done well, is we will get the client in the room with us. And we, while it used to be projecting it on a whiteboard and handing them a Sharpie to say, well, here, you know, let's do this together. And you get buy-in very quickly from the client when they're also participating. Now it's um, a smart board with a Sharpie. Now it's a smart board. That we, you know, <laughs> with an electronic on. Sharpie. Yeah, so you can hit save on the screen <laughs> instead of taking pictures of it. But that to work with them and collaborate with them also helps build the relationship with them. And I think doing residential work, you are, you are learning something about the clients that you're working for, intimate things sometimes. 
I know, you know, if they're going to fold their shirts or hang their shirts or, I mean, yeah, with our interiors team, you know, down to, yeah. Um, All things we shouldn't say. Yeah. (laughs) So you have to build, um, it's, you're continuously building new relationships. You're, you're building um, trust with each other. And so working together right off the bat with them putting ideas up front and, and talking through that and working it out live with them. And then taking that, stepping back and refining it and coming back here, that sets up a level of trust that has allowed us to, to carry that forward. There's, there's, I, and I will say there's always bumps along the road where, you know, something might come in over budget or it might take a little bit longer, but that level of trust helps kind of maneuver through the rocky spot. I think every relationship has a rocky spot and, and just, you know, how to, how to get through that and actually get the thing built and get them moved in. And, and then once they're in it, loving it, you know, some of those challenges along the way, kind of, you don't remember those quite as well as you, mm-hmm. the successes. I think, I think though, for the future of the firm, you know, we, we started, as we said, fairly small and it's, the, it's one of those milestones that 10 to 12 person you really have to invest in infrastructure and operations and process in order to get to the next level. And our, our goal from the start was, you know, to be between 32 and 38 people. It's a little bit of a comfortable spot, a safe spot, especially if the recession's coming. Right. You know, one project doesn't send the whole firm in a spiral. You, you can kind of ebb and flow with, with what happens. Um, I think our, and we've been there years in a row or just about the same size so we we kind of ramped up pretty quickly to get to that safe spot and then maintain there for the most part while kind of honing the process um yeah making sure training our team raising the team up but i think the future is we i mean we're we're looking at three four people of year end to move up into more leadership positions we're I mean, I, I make this joke often, but if I could lay on the floor and push everyone up two scales, I'd do it right now. Um, it just takes time. It takes time. Yeah. It, it, it takes 30 years to get 30 yeah. years of experience. So <laughs> We used to think that you could, also, <laughs> you, could, you could do that a little quicker the more you took on, but the love can't. to do, I think, a, a very refined quality product, it just takes time and experience yeah. and, and refinement of that. We... Um, and I think pre-COVID, we talked about with maybe a few studios in different locations, but I think after COVID, it's kind of shifted the way we think about how we work and where we work yeah. and what it takes to work in other places. We've done work all over Minnesota, New Mexico, and California, and New York, and mm-hmm. Atlanta. And-, and, and all of those projects, I think it was based on a relationship that got us work somewhere. Yep. And I'm happy to do work as long as it kind of aligns with what we're interested in pursuing. Mm-hmm. For me, it's it's mostly anything related to the residential aspect of that, whether it's you sleeping in a hotel room or it's a small, you know, whether it's a, a single family residence or it's multifamily. Affordable We've, housing. Affordable housing is, is something that we've been doing more and more of. In, in um, Aspen to build houses for people who build houses for people. Because... <laughs> yeah. If, you know, our, our team can't afford to live in the homes that we design and build. I can't afford to live in the homes that None we design us. and build. Yeah. I can't afford my own taste, I've discovered. <laughs> but, uh, 
but to be able to complement that and and we are working on housing projects in the valley so we've completed one last year um, that was sold to the school district and so teacher housing we have another one going in Glenwood Springs that we're in the approval process for that's also next to the school and teacher housing we are doing one in New Mexico that was essentially like essential employee housing so it's you know, I think there's a, a way to balance. We've had a lot of these discussions in the last year. You know, we work for a handful of billionaires, but then to be able to produce something that also supports the community, I think is really important. Yeah, I was going to ask about that with, you know, we, we all want to be paid what we're worth, right? Uh, or, but then that pushes us towards a certain clientele and how you, how you balance that, right? And um, with those ideas of fees or, or, it's also been really interesting with our team who, you know, who, uh, the group of brilliant people coming out of school who want meaning mm -hmm. and they, they're striving for meaning in what they do every day and serving a purpose. And, you know, it's, uh, I struggle yeah. because Not a lot of people find a lot of meaning in doing fourth houses fourth house for billionaires. billionaires. Um, yeah. Although it is fun design for sure and nice budgets to work within mm -hmm. but i i and we live in an area that's that's pretty strict about environmental regulation and sustainability and what you have to do to like these windows certainly will not pass um <laughs> but it was to remodel a historic home that has these how yeah. do we overcome that um but. so yeah it's 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 a challenge to balance that and, and even though what we do i mean when you go through the list of the sustainable practices we use on that twenty thousand square foot fourth home it's pretty substantial but it's it is hard yeah. to find the meaning in that and how do you it's been a challenge. We started a sustainability committee in April and also finding time to do it because you're like, well, you know, we've got to put food on the table, but then also mm -hmm. how do we evolve as a firm to respond? It's It's been interesting with the new regulations. Uh, the city of Aspen went through a moratorium last year and weren't allowing any, well, not last year, it started last year through August and you weren't allowed to all residential development was paused, so we weren't able to, um, the, the focus that came out of that is no new, you can't completely tear down, no new demolitions. So you can't scrape and replace. Um, they're gonna minimize that to like six new, six of those a year. And if you're one of those, you the, the requirements for what's gonna be um, built new is we're pushing up against like net zero. I mean, everything is going to be, There's like if you're two not window manufacturers, you can use. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, 0. 0.18 U values and things like that. Wow. And so um, it, it's, I say net zero, I, I think it's, we have the ability to like produce energy with solar. And I, I think every substantial project we've done in the last five, six years has a geothermal system in it. And so it's been interesting talking with some of um our younger staff and, and newer hires is to the practices that we already do to complete these things that the rest of the country isn't doing in a standard thing. The, the typical home that's being built out here doesn't have a geothermal system, doesn't have enough solar to produce 150% of what it's consuming. And, and you're not putting windows in that are 0.18. And, and so, but to take that to the next level and understand, um, I mean, I, I do see us moving, closer and closer to 
everything in, in the long run is going to be driven to net zero. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a challenge. And that's kind of the fun of figuring out how to accomplish these projects and get there. Mm -hmm. And to and to help our clients understand that this is luxury. There's a lot of education that There's goes into this. There's a lot of education that goes into this. And I mean, geothermal is a great example of that, where, yes, there's going to be additional cost up front, but it's silent. It's hidden. Your square yeah. footage is not usurped mm -hmm. by a gargantuan mechanical room that's noisy. Yeah, and we don't have, you know. And how do you yeah, sell that? as chillers outside, and we're not, you know, air handlers, and you're not going to piss off your neighbor because the decibel level and all that yeah. is, is more than what's necessary. We, we did that, the Hotel Lenato, which that was the old name for it. It's the Aspen Street Lodge is, is the brand for it. But we, um, that had 16 wells underneath the, the foundation in the basement and solar on every roof that we could get it on. And um, I remember going through the final inspections and um, zoning officer coming out on site. And she was like, well, where's all the equipment? And we're like, well, that one room that we poked our head in, that's it. You've got air hand, um, heat pumps, and you may have a backup boiler, but the rest of this is completely, hmm. you know, it, it functions. We had an interesting incident mm -hmm. two or three years ago. There was yeah. somebody who cut right. a bunch of gas lines into Aspen right at like New Year's Eve. Mm. Super cold out. And that, that building didn't know what happened, just kept functioning and maintained. You know, I think things mm. were down for a few days. And so I think. I don't know. That's that's the fun of selling energy independence. I mean, that's a that's yeah. a nice. And and with that clientele that allows for that, and with the city that's requiring it, where you you're saying, hey, it's not it's not me just saying this would be nice with your money. It's yeah, this is required. Um, educating them that you know these, yeah, they have the funds to do some of these things, but educating them that it's going to be required, and and some of them have have chosen to pursue more. Um, I, I was on a call as you were coming up in and um, that couple, everything that we're doing kind of gets bounced back to how sustainable is this? You know, we can get aluminum windows manufactured in Poland that are going to get shipped over here, or we could go with a wood species that is FSC certified and we can get that produced in North America. And they would rather pay probably a little bit more for that wood window because in the end, you know, that, the education of the clientele that we're dealing with, they, they're starting to come around to realizing that. It's becoming a luxury item, a luxury, an important luxury item. Yeah. And, I mean, I, yeah, truthfully, there are some projects where it's greenwashed, and there are others where the clients really have a, a concerted um, focus on trying to maintain it. Um, they're not completely off the grid, but a couple of them actually are getting close to where they could be. Hmm. Well, yeah, let's, let's, uh, I like these pauses that we can just edit out. <laughs> no, I think you should leave it out. Yeah. Leave it. Just pretend like something really profound I'm happened. Listen and make sure. <laughs> um, and we're uh, back. And we're back. <laughs> that was our second ad. And, uh, no, so I mean, yeah, I think this has been, uh, this has been really, really, really kind of a breath of fresh air in some ways. Like I just went to this uh, conference in Austin last uh, two weeks ago, Entree Architect uh, uh, podcast conference, but it's like 
for small firm owners and it was just this sort of fire hose of sort of business and marketing and all these things and and uh and so i came back all jazzed and i was like i'm gonna do all this stuff in in this zero amount of time that i have you know but and it's 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 yeah it's refreshing to see both of you like working together and 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 you like really thinking about the business and working the business and and saying like no we need to put our foot down we need to put our foot down for our employees and for our reputation and for attracting the kind of clients we have and um and um yeah you know i'll be honest i i like didn't know of you guys that much i've, I've seen your name and seen your work in a little bit and uh it's just been really fun yeah getting to to know you here and like uh continue to see the all the the purpose and the uh the meaning behind the work that that we see on the website and things like that so yeah thanks for coming on thank you, thank you. cool sorry you needed mittens <laughs> you prepared me for the cold <laughs> i did at the last moment i'm like i hope he has a part that at work You can visit architecting.com, that's architect-ing.com, to see images from this week's guest. And please rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a great week and keep connecting. Hi, I'm Eli. This show is made by my mom and dad and these people. Heidi Mendoza. Aaron Best. Kyle Brunner. Emily Child. Trevor Notzko. Zach Huff. Rob Cleary. All right, let's get a coffee. See ya. Uh, yeah, what what are other, what else did we miss? Did we miss some stuff from those questions? You, you got any um, good stories you want to tell? Or, uh... um, are we still recording? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's so I, many know, good stories. The firm's been here for 16 years, and I feel like we are a 16-year-old 16 year old teenager sometimes yeah Yeah. we've definitely there was a lot of ruckus moments Mm -hmm. but they you know it's it we've we've grown up and a few of us have grown up together to get to this point Mm -hmm. and it's been it's kind of awesome it's it's fun i think the camaraderie that's been built with the team that we have here Mm -hmm. and you know there's there's people who've come on over the last few years that haven't been along for all of that beforehand and it's sometimes i don't i don't realize that some of them have only been with us for a couple of years. And it's a tough entry because there there are a lot of there's a lot of history and jokes and I mean Well the inside jokes are half the people we work with, you and I have worked with before at other firms and yeah. other circumstances too. And so that's always interesting because you're like, Oh, you remember so and so and of hmm. course everyone else is out of the loop with that. And, yeah. and we don't mean to exclude in any way, because you know what, in two years you're gonna be in the loop too. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's, it's kind of fun because we're, we're growing up with, you know, our brothers and sisters who have been here with us for a while and watching them grow and succeed and and be awesome and, and, you know, getting, as we start promoting people and moving people up the ladder, it's, it's really fun to watch that evolution of, do you remember when that guy did this and now here he is doing this and it's just it's um it's been interesting to work with other people in the past at other places and then to be here and have them come and approach us and and get to work with them again and and in a different i don't know 
just in a different relationship. It's mm-hmm. um, and it's it's actually feels good when they're. You know, I have some of these people come and go, God, why would anyone ever leave here? Mm. And I'm like, because they didn't work in all these other places that, you know, we've been before. <laughs> and, and they don't know yet. And we, we've definitely run into that challenge a little bit with team members who this is their first job. And they go, oh, everything's like, I mean, I thought that way about CCY. I'm like, every firm is like this. I'm going to move to Denver. I'm going to take over the world. I've learned so much. And then you move to other firms and you go, oh, the partners really have no idea what good business is and no intention of learning it because they would actually prefer just to be right than to do things right. Hmm. And I I ran into this so much and we hear a lot of our younger staff go, oh, we want to come over here because we're going to build their operations and be there from the ground up and make a difference. And we go, that's assuming they want to build from the ground up and make a difference and have operations. So it's it's kind of hard to watch. It's a little heartbreaking to see people go and know that you know they have to go learn their own lessons. Yeah. Uh, the, the the building up of it though took a lot of us to do this. It took and all it, of us to do this. And whether it was on the business side or building process, building, you know, like guys, here's a sample set of drawings. Like we need to be focused more on the quality of what we're producing, so that the contractor actually understands what you're intending here. <laughs> It's one thing to model something. It's a whole other thing, thing to, to get that it on a sheet with yeah. information. And then, you know, creating checklists so that everything was consistent from project to project. And yeah. and finding the time to do that and finding the people within the firm who felt passionately about that as well has been, uh, I mean, it's been very fulfilling. I think that's the fun part for me yeah. is I it's it, and it's a slow process to do that, especially when you're very busy with things. But to to develop standards and develop consistency, and then to develop people and to train people and to mentor them, um, there's a lot of focus um, in our office. Um, just yesterday, we did a, a designer meeting, so um, basically, project manager and below get together once a month. And yesterday, we we're just focused on lighting plans. Mm-hmm. And, and once a month, we're trying to pick a new topic to hit on. And I think we've gotten to the point where we might have to go back and regroup on even some old ones. But we have a long list of things to go back and teach. And it's, you know. It's multifaceted. <clears throat> too. I mean, we have a shadow program where team members shadow a different team member, like project manager, or an interior designer. And someone they're not working with. Yeah. Like, and, not and, on the same project. Yeah. And so, watch what they're doing for the day. Sit through client meetings or go on site or. And yeah. it's, I think that's been huge to develop an understanding and an appreciation for the, for the group and the team. So I, I think it's, now I understand what this person does and the impact they have on me and my project in the future. Yeah. And I think that's been hugely impactful. Yeah. I, I think to speak to Ryan's thing, you know, he talks about all the pieces and parts. My, my MO is, you know, I, I feel like every business is a patchwork rug. And when you, you look at it and it's completion, it's it's beautiful, but there's there's design, there's project management, there's operations, there's HR, there's marketing, there's finance, you know, all these things work together. And if you pull one piece of that out, the rug is basically trash. And so all of these things need to work together in unison. And, you know, the inchworms working in the same direction. Yeah. And... And if you have all of that, it's this beautiful piece of art. It's a tapestry. Yeah. 
and without it, you know, you just lost the horn in your orchestra and all of a sudden it's insufficient. So I think all of that together is, I feel what makes a company great. All of these things, but the team, we, um, there was this example that had come to mind when we were talking about yesterday, we had, um, some new clients that we were interviewing and we were going to go show them the project. And this project was just wrapping up completion. And this project we had done from planning through architecture, interiors, Dirt procurement. Um, but we did kind of what we would call a white glove. We, we furnished the shampoo and the yeah. silverware. And so we're walking this couple through and they, they show up there. Um, they're on vacation. So they take a taxi down to the job site because there's no parking at the moment. And um, myself and Ryan Lee um, meet them when they get out of the cab and talking to them. And we walk up to the job and the project manager, Andrew Dillon, meets us at the end of the driveway with the contractor and he's sitting there talking. And as we walk up to the house, um, Becca Olson, who's one of our interior designers, meets us at the door and walked in and, and, and Brooke and Melody, they're like we're installing furniture. And it was the the epitome of us working together as a team to complete this house. But at the same time, it was the best marketing pitch we've ever made. Couldn't have staged it better. Yeah. I wish that I had thought been that brilliant to like, okay, you be here and you be here and you be here, but let's get the cameraman and they get the, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was honest. And, and we, it just really reinforces that there's no one person who's going to do this. There may be one person who takes the call when things go bad, but there are, a team of us working on your behalf to get this done. And that project um, we've had published successful. and has been very successful. What's Those that project? clients are amazing. Like, was it, was it going on your website? Is it on the website? Riparian Retreat. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 It was be quizzed on marketing names. It's going to be tough. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, but it's, great clients, great it defi- product. It defines the we. Yeah. And I, I think when we talk about it, we all feel that. We it helps to also build a camaraderie, to build a teamwork for each of us to have a, a facet of it that we're working on together. Um, and think, a place of importance yeah. in the success of it. Yeah. I, mean, it's, yeah it, it, I think it does define the firm. Yeah. When it's so interesting of you guys essentially did a startup, started a firm, but you started with, 10 other people started with a startup. right you started with a startup like yeah. you know i I'm, I'm getting so jealous thinking about these all these roles and all these people you have you know with me and my one partner because we're, we're wearing a lot of hats that i'm not good at my head's way too big for this hat or whatever or you know and well i think find the person you know who does that well right and 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 cultivate them to, to help you and join you that's yeah. really find the people that complement mm-hmm. what you do well but find the ones who do something else a little differently, better. And I mean, honestly, that was the defining factor when I said, that's it, I'm never working with architects again. And as we were talking through all this, and we were talking, coming on board, I was like, this is, I can work with this. This is a lump of clay. Like I can shape this into something. I feel yeah, good I, about. I could see opportunity. I could see where my role would be. I could see how I could make it. Make better and, and and it was exciting i mean it was definitely like drinking from a fire hose for the first few years and oh it's, it's not now 
It's a discharge fire hose. You know, it was. I've just <clears throat> learned how to to, to, to guzzle yeah. it faster. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of analogies there. Yeah. Yeah. It became it, a joke for a while. Like Ryan would go on vacation. I'm like, so I hired three people and opened an office. And he's like, shit. <laughs> yeah. Anytime she'd go on vacation, like we bought a new building or something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, so it's on vacation. So I'm next gone. week, right? She's, uh, yeah, she's yeah, gone. She's this one I won't, but the last one I did, we, we signed a lease on this on the on Saturday before the I flew out <laughs> and bought a condo in Denver. And yeah. I was like, so, hey guys, FYI, send it 2 a.m. Yeah. We now have a Denver like, office. Well, we had talked about that. <laughs> Everyone's like, yeah. it went so fast. You're like, well, you brought it up. Jen's yeah. not going to sleep on it. She's just going to make yeah. it happen. It, it, Jen's not the only one, too, though. There's, I mean, we have some people Gosh. in the office who have some initiative. And, and you can make a joke and they make it happen. Yeah, we mm -hmm. literally, we, we one of our inside jokes about who we call our internal hummingbird, Melody, she's just... We're like, we talked about, we're like, maybe we should get blankets for the office. We're like, don't worry, Melody already did it. Like, she heard yeah. us talking from Aspen, and the blankets are yeah, on the way. Yeah. She's just, she's one of those, but she cares so much and wants to make it happen. Yeah. Well, and like you said, just, just that atmosphere of, of buy-in and the agency that it lends, it's what everybody wants to do or says they want to do, right? But it's not easy to... No, I'd like to say it's perfect. We're still working. Yeah, no, it's we're not perfect. That's we're still trying. Everything. It was perfect that first year you applied for Outdoor Magazine, and yeah. then then you had to go pull it back a little bit. And we're thirty fifth this year. Like we've fallen yeah, so, we far. Fall so far. More blankets. Yeah. More. Yeah. Well, what I look at it this way: I'm like, we've inspired so many people to achieve yeah, beyond yeah. us yeah. that it's going to have to raise our bar. There you go. <laughs> Twist. Uh, Twist to make it happy. <laughs>
I think the pandemic has really, I'm hoping it shifted a lot of people's perspectives. I worked at a firm previously where kids were not a thing um, and not really a respected thing. It's like firm first, family second. And I'm like, that's not really the way it works. It's actually family first, firm second. Mm -hmm. This is what matters. Um, that being said, it matters a lot that we have 35 families to support. And so we yeah. take that very yeah. seriously, but I'm hoping the pandemic has shifted that perspective a little bit. I, I know that raising a child and climbing the ladder and my husband lived here for 16 years. So we lived apart for 16 oh, wow. years, um, where I was up in Aspen and, you know, trying to claw my way into this business and make an impact raise a, a healthy human that society can support. And, uh, you know, it's hard and it's, but it's possible. And I, I recognize with our team members, like, yes, maybe you had to leave at noon and go pick up your son because he's sick and bring him home and then take him to the doctor. And you spent three hours during the day. I also know you're spending, you're sending emails at eight o'clock at night. And, yeah. and I know it's possible to navigate this world and be successful in it. I'm hoping the pandemic really shifted people's perspectives on that because for people who had kids at home trying to work yeah. from home, mind boggling to me. I could yeah. not imagine it. Yeah, right. It's that's gotta be incredibly no, hard. I'm, I'm very grateful I had a teenager at the time who was somewhat self-sufficient because to, yeah. I can't imagine being on the flip side and having an infant. Four-year-old or, or yeah. two-year-old. Yeah. Trying to teach kindergarten. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we hit it at a pretty good spot where both of our kids pretty much were able to be in daycare the whole time. Like, they didn't sh shut down. And, and Well, actually, my wife's an architect, and, and the day that she was going to come back from maternity leave on our youngest, uh, Ginsler sent everyone home. And so she never came back from maternity leave. I mean, she, she just wow. stayed at home, worked, but we were able to get her into daycare, but yeah. 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 But, but trying to teach a kid or a second grader or something like that is. Yeah. We're just trying to work while your, your child is, I mean, they're kids. It's not their fault. They want mom and dad's attention. They want to, yeah. they're like, Hey, the you're, day's you're, over. I'm you're here. here. Yeah. yeah. I ended up feeling like I had a coworker at home because I'd be in, <laughs> in, in our spare room on a zoom call and he's in his room on a class call. And I mean, it was, yeah. We'd break for lunch together. Was... And you're like, hey, uh, have you ever tried ArchiCAD? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm joking. Oh, no. about it. <laughs> I'm like, I need to build some furniture objects. That's I think that's something you could, you could probably stretch. pull off. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had to fire my son twice. So. <laughs> <laughs> but he, was, he was a precocious one. So. Uh, he, he, I hired him to do filing when he was eight. And he called, I called him and I was like, where are you? I thought you were catching the bus and coming in here. And he goes, you know what, mom, I just, I just don't feel like I could do my best work today. And I was like, oh my God, you're fired. Like, unbelievable. Like, this is my future. Huh. I want to try that. I can't do my best work today. I just feel like I can't come in and do my yeah. best work today. No, that's yeah. perfect. I have an eight-year-old. Well, also clearly, you get you fired. Actually. That's what yeah. happens. Yeah. <laughs> now he's 21. Yeah. He's probably called his boss today. That's funny. How have you enjoyed doing the podcast? How has this, how has this changed you as a person? Like, like, like you were joking, like, oh, I'm giving you pearls. I'm like, no, yeah, literally, this is what I'm getting. You know, it's a, 
you know. Uh, this is your sneaky way of finding out what every other architect is yeah, doing. I, mean, I like it. It's, it's not sneaky. I say it every episode, but uh, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think like this is just what I love. Like, you know, there's there's not that many reasons for us to talk for an hour, right? And and this just gives me this awesome opportunity to do this and meet new people and just see different ways of working. And, um, well, and it's an intelligent, creative community. Mm-hmm. How fun is not that people you want to talk to all the time? Like how fun. Right. And to exchange yeah. ideas. And, well, it, yeah. yeah. It, it, it has been interesting to listen to a few of these. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had talked with Jen a, a while back about, you know, there's, it's one thing to be an architect and talk with your employee, your, your coworkers right. yeah. about what's going on in the profession. It gets real challenging when you're running a firm to talk to other people because there's not a whole Nobody lot of people who like really want to sit here and chat about how we do things. Yeah. And, and this definitely gives an insight into that through their perception maybe, but how, how to hear kind of some of their thought process of how they do things or why they do it the way they do. Um, that's not something that there's a lot of out there. Mm-hmm. We, we almost need like an architects anonymous support <coughs> group, you know, where we could have a 12 step program and all sit in chairs together and talk about our days. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's sort of the next step, like trying to do more live things and like more kind of, it's like, it's like between a panel and just a hangout, you know, like between a panel and a, a happy hour, where like trying to make it so it's not super formal, but like how do you just get people together and have conversations? But you're gonna bring up the whiskey we forgot. Yeah, we got beers on Friday afternoon. But but and then it's just super fun. Like when you get like when you guys reach out to me, I mean, it's it's awesome. Like when when people are engaged and like want to talk and want to be like more of the community and like that's that's the fun thing um you know there's there's certain big name people that like yeah i'll email and either never email back or i have to go through two principles and i'm like no like let's talk to people who want to talk and so oh cool well yeah thanks guys yeah thank thank you. you yeah this has been fun thanks for doing this